0: ghost hunter here ho ho you, UK today's story my children is don't go out in the mall go into the mountains for you may end up seeing something you wish you would not see in the darkness of the mountain's nights there was a body lying face down in the glade. As I stumbled forward, my bare feet slipped with mud and plunging through the icy waters of the march. I could see the hunter's shoulder rise in the air and a hunch the bones beneath his body curled tight in death and his legs pulled in a muddy sod through the bleak glass. Grey in the crisp of air of the early November. The blaze orange of his vest was a burning flame in a dreary landscape. The ball of my left foot slipped through two strange clumps of uneven ground. I slipped into the cold water again. I was down on my knee before I caught my balance, reeling from side to side to keep from falling headlong into the papery blades of grass. Though no bugs, too cold for bugs. What the hell was going on? What was I doing here? My skin was numb. I thought for a moment that my one knee was a little sh- shredded on the spongy ground, a field of tall grass built on mud and water-stick stones lichen. Yes, cut up a little but It was too cold to bleed yet I was naked. Why in the hell was I naked? My skin felt thick. I wrapped my hands around my arms and tried to warm it up. A little voice in the back of my mind told me that hyperphania could pretty could have some pretty disorienting effects on the mind. I could have i can I could become forgetful, delusional, that might be what was going on, because I can't, did not remember a damn thing. So how I got here? In the middle of this glade, a dead man up ahead. The silence of the mountains pressed in on me. The morning was too cold for the birds and the mist in the air, holding the expanse of blue skies outside my little bubble of existence. Nothing to be seen above the astral except for around Mountain Everest and where the clouds parted and followed the distant mountain up to, to the haze a man laying on his stomach before me distorted over, over an arm bent under him I reached to touch my cheeks convinced that the feel of my fingers my frozen rubbery skin might bring me back to reality The hair of my beard bristled and felt like it was not my own. Walking forward to the body as best I could on the marsh, I stared, held my breath, and waited for a sign that this man was anything but a lump of lifeless matter, dressed in a camouflage and a hunter's orange. Crouching down, feeling the grass prick the backs of my thighs, I reached out with my hand. This wasn't mine. I touched the vest. The man's sighed. he seemed real enough. His orange hat was thrown off in the grass before him. The back of his head was full of thin, gray hair, matted in random directions by wearing a hat and going without a shower for several, for several last days. This was a real man, I wasn't imagining. His body was real under my frozen and tight fingers. And my fingers were caked with... A dirty with a dark grime. I pulled my hand back and looked at my fingernails, black under the normality, white and clean edges, filthier than it ever been in my life, like I'd been scratching the residue off my car, old car's oil pan. Where the hell have I been? The air whipped round through my lungs like a torrent of ice as water, a breeze flowing through the valley from the mountain of to tower. At my skin and like me, made me sh- shake like I didn't know I could so cold up here so cold here when naked I reached out with my grimy hand and grasped the man's shoulder as I expected he was still stiff frozen with little effort I was surprised at how easy it was in my state I pulled the coat at the corpse and turned him over as if it, it was an injury I was in a dream, His lifeless face. Shattered and torn, stared back at me in clouded eyes. He was a man of around sixty. That is not an old man, but not quite middle-aged. Neither, either. But his jaw had been torn off, his mouth, throat ripped out, his face lacerated and hanging in the cold livery flaps. The grass pulled and ripped apart when I turned him over, clinging to frozen chunks and droplets of blood, bright and colourful, like red-hot coal-aid. And somehow I noticed his ghastly vigilage, with no more interest or shock, than I was observing the pattern in the bark of a fallen lock. The man's arm was twisted in a curl of the front of his chest, struck fast by a rigor mortis and the chill of a high, attitude. high altitude but quivered in a place as I turned him all the way on his, to his back. I slung his rifle wrapped around the lot elbow, the strength I could not respect it in my frozen dull body. I pulled his hand away from his chest and straightened his arm with a few pops. His rifle was dead. Oh, his rifle is old, swift battle-knife. But battle-rifle, I unwrapped the sling from the dead. Stiff arm and placed the gun aside. With the fingers, I unzipped the man's chest. So, kid. So, the kid said. Are you guys hunting tomorrow? You bet. Said, unsaid, glancing, My way, I could tell the tone that preceded friendly but not really friendly tone that told us he was fishing for suckers that would let him fill his quota and earn him some fees for the county. My my hands were as close to the fire as I could have managed without burning them. As cold as it was, the fire didn't give off much warmth. The campfire, a little shelter from the open sky. I could hear a truck passing on the road, and way, ways off, which, while well, I saw the kid's wheels turning, as he took us, took looked us, looked o- us over. Would you mind, guys, showing me your permits? I wanted to decline since I didn't actually need to prove myself until I was actually hunting, but these guys had a lot of wiggle room. To be real assholes, if he wanted to be, there was uh, there was no reason to piss the kid off. He he'd be up here all week. John reached to his little black bo- pocket. I pulled open the velcro pouch pouch on my chest and a uh, uh, muffled a uh, muffled rip. The kid watched me first. Producing a fold-up sandwich bag, I smoothed out a plastic with cold fingers, opened the seal, and handed it over the perforated blue card. The kid took my card and secretised it, his natural face flicking in the fire. Brett? His eyes flashed to mine cross. Yep, I said. You caught a bull tag? Oh, that's cool. Yep. He paused a moment then. Do you have a ID? John had been holding his hunting license with redness, lowered his hand to his side and sat back down to his folding chair. His curly hair sprouted him from around the fleece cap like black feathers. His pale eyes flashed me the same look he gave me sometimes at work. When one of those kind of customers heads your way, I looked over the kid's face and wondered if he was going to be hard-ass. He was young. He seemed friendly. That was only when he see how he seemed. He could be hard to tell these guys. They make the rules to make sure everyone stays in balance. That's when they end up pursuing the rules more than what make a welcome income of the hunters, even before anything else. "'At least that's the way we always fall.' "'No,' I said, his blonde eyebrows raised. "'You don't have any ID? "'No,' I replied. "'I don't have it my wallet. I don't need it.' The kid paused, his eyebrows lowered. Then he handed my hunting license back to me. "'Okay,' he said, then turned and inspected John's card. Perfectly perf- immediately when the attention settled on my friend.' John had been going on and on about the Rangers earlier today. After he got into another conversation with over overabundance of rules and regulations, he recited the rules and regulations, our rights. And now he didn't have to show the Rangers anything until we are to hunt, or until we are carrying the elk back to the camp and back to the world from which we came. Now he complied with a wink of objection and resentment i could understand it was best to keep the rangers off our backs especially now in the beginning of if we gave them any lip they would help us the whole rest of the trip expecting this and that the king's inspectors would probably go for quite a trial trip if they landed on any hunters they didn't get along go didn't go wrong with the typical routine i replaced my card in a plastic bag Folded it and put it back into my nylon pocket in my shell jacket. After checking our tags, the ranger muttered some form of "Have a good turn." I didn't even notice that when it was quite probably jumping back into the bronco to make his way up to the next potential m- money bags. Fagging rangers," John said. Reached down. Reaching down, he pulled out a bottle of whiskey with a twist and metal cuss cracked and bottle broke open. John reached down again, producing a plastic cup for each of us. A bright moonlight twinkled in the glass and spoke of good experiences out in the wild. A mite so long, with temperatures falling far below zero. Our sleeping bags barely kept us comfortable. And after sleep, I slept a strange sleep of feeling numb and dreamless. Waking occasionally to zip the bag back up over my head. The first morning was black, but with John's BDPS and our headlights, we made our way to the high we had chosen the afternoon before. As I lay in the field, my bag off to the side, my shoulders puffed on a familiar tree. I listened to the silent darkness and held my rifle trained on the tree line across the field. When dawn broke over the mountain, I saw the field in a, the sea of black in the darkness of the pines a hundred yards before me. Peering through my scope with just enough light to make it useful, I scanned the trees until I saw the first switch of the movement, and then I saw orange piling up. Putting away from the scope, I looked across the crisp gloom until I could make out a ghostly braised orange twosol floating in the darkness of the tree trunks. Then I saw another blotch of orange. By the time the light had turned the dawn the dawn into morning, I could see light, hunters lined up all along the tree line, like ducks in the shooting gallery. Each no doubt, positive. They were all a good but of their own, in the darkness before the moat. I looked up to John trying to determine whether or not he was sleeping in his little slopers look. Then I saw his orange head swivel to look back at me. My fingered glove fumbled for the radio attached to my lapel. John! I said into a small speaker by my shoulder, my voice low and dead in the still air. What do you see? His orange, vested body moved. I could see the black spots in his hands reaching for the radio. Ten nine what his eye his voice replied, We're the frickin' hunters everywhere. Yeah no. What do you what do you want to do? I are I said. He paused. Wanna move? he said. Yeah, I looked up the valley and down the valley towards the mountain. We're not going to get shit around here, copy," he said. "I'll see. I'll be over in a sec, copy," I replied, and then realized the radio is t- released the radio to fall back to my position of my clothes. Popping my rifle against the log, I set up. Popping my rifle against the log, I set up, and my heels stood back on stood on my backpack up against next to the rock gun. They stood. My legs were cramped cold and felt like they had not moved in hours. Should have known should have known, of course, we were probably just a short of a mile away from this road. The elk were likely further in, especially with the Be- and other other hunters making that same having the same idea. For a great scheduled position. Bunch John was on his way, his breath forming a living vapour of crisp air. I had my backpack on. I shouldered the rifle. We walked down the valley towards Mount Everson. How that we were mapped into the woods the heavier the mist became i wondered if the cloud we were would ever burn off the day warmed up i thought the hike would be warming up but i always just a step ahead of feeling chilled you pass more rows of hunters lined along the tree lines but all too committed to their spots to move but after an hour moving up and down the sloping valleys the glass that past our boots we began to see men only sparsely hidden on the top of the mountain, top of a hill there here, or in a corner line of trees there. For another hour we were utterly after yet uh, after another hour we were utterly alone. The visibility wasn't bad enough, we could couldn't get a good shot out out to a hundred yards, maybe two. But the sky had been swallowed by white murk, the way we came, looking down over the hills and valleys that we, s- we knew were lined with silent rifles, was retreating into a haze. Once, more than once, John had stopped to put Wayward to his GPS. I stopped over to pee and marveled at how alien the environment seemed, frozen silent, devoid of animal life. When the long miles of valley ended, we looked up at the looming shadow of the mountain in the mist before us and stalked into the darkness of the trees. A bull's burning coal cut into the fog with a hole high shriek. I ran down my spine like a rolling ball cold still in the darkness of the pines surrounded by a world of black forests. A padded floor, soft undergrowth, and wet back, a ceiling of muttered green Neuville blocking out over the sky. John and I could hear the herd tramping through the woods up ahead of us. Their trawny brown masses moved through the trees, perhaps fifty yards away, their hooves heavy, their great heads snorting in the cloud so close. John's eyes were large and round, straining to see and believe the sight ahead of us. I don't know how far we were in. I don't care. I didn't care. We followed the sign for maybe a mile, and but they, but they, they were large as life. A herd of six, maybe five, maybe six, a bull in there somewhere, shrieking his haunting cry. That pierced the darkness. I was glad I had a rounded chamber. It made my noise at all now. The elk would scatter, winding through the great dense trees like water. with a fleet of shadows beneath their huge bulk. Up against the mist I saw, I thought I saw some large branches move. Then I realised I had found the ball, not branches, a huge rack of naked hole. I didn't count the points through the thick, tight forest, but he was a big one. The beast raised his head and took a few casual steps towards forward through the trees, fighting my cold body tendency to clatter rattle my neck gear. I braced my rifle against a tree and silently craned my neck to look through the scope. By the faint sound of his breathing, I knew John was sitting or crouching next to me, but I didn't know what. He was doing i didn't care It felt to me like he was waiting waiting out letting me take my shot i adjusted the rifle on my tree on the tree so that i could focus on the rifle and elk see him through the scope comfortably lay amidst my crosshairs in a hazy dim scope i could see his snout and his head his head went down i saw his antlers i panned to the right to see should get a shot at the vitals but a fast black shadow stopped me. A tree, too many trees. In my scope, the black became ounces again. Then the answers moved forward. I was focused on a large patch of brown. Holding the full weight of the rifle in my trigger hand, I reached up on the other hand and pulled back on the zoom a little. Brown became the shoulders, which made for much more forward into another black blob. I realized I'd been. Holding my breath, and realized it in it. silence. I have to be patient for this one. Wait until I have the perfect shot. As long as John and I were quiet, the elk would be moving away too quickly. Plenty of time. I looked down at John. He looked back, then bobbed his head at the bull. I smiled and looked back at my scope. I wasn't cold any more. Through the scope I watched the ball move by inches of his hooves, pounding the frozen ground, his great head rising and falling, his antlers waving through the mist. If weightlessness as I breathed I evenly, waiting for the basketball field, for his vital zone to pass through a clear area, a clear path of my rifle, my finger caressed the trigger like silk. Waiting for the moment to get the position tightened. Then the forest exploded in a sound of motion. A multiple of sounds ripped through the air, first ripping, snarling, and choked my heart with sheets of ice. I made my hair stand at attention. Then the screams of the herd of bull in my sights burst into motion, pounding and heaving into the forest floor with his massive legs and bounding through the air like a deer. In Intent on sprinting through the trees, the cows did the same. An effect turned my world inside outside down. In such a in such a startle that I didn't even know when when my rifle shots bit the air. My aardrums complained loudly, they rang at before for numbers mm. took hold. John dropped his rifle and fell to his back. I did not know that he was loaded or not, but his rifle didn't fire, thank God for that. That what was happening with the elk. I didn't, I, really, I didn't really understand the large bodies moving so quickly, so close with a strange collective correlation as if a herd of, if a flock of birds confused the hell out of me. Especially when I saw the large black form clinging to the bull, the cows ran with the bull. They split as one and ran into two separate directions. The bull bounded once more with what all the while, a violent, snarling-like, ripping fabric rang through the air, continuously, with a, l- with a large black shape on his back, and crashed into a tree, enough to force that I felt the ground shudder beneath my feet. A massive elk spun, his hand was swinging through the void before two trees, then started running in our direction. I heard John, Jim John make a noise, a little human noise, I then saw the black shape of the elk's back move, more clearly a dark, raving beast with burning yellow eyes, its gleaming teeth around the back of its elk's neck. I realised it had fingers almost lost in the dark blackness of its thick coat, but clearly clinging onto the elk's sides and claws, claws dug into the elk's flesh like talons. Then the elk was bleeding, red mist and strings of fluid, Flinging everywhere, uh, were coming right for us. I wasn't; wouldn't be surprised if all this was happening within the space of a second or two. But the clarity was so intense that time didn't apply. Time had, did not start to come into play. However, when I wheeled my legs to take me out of harm's way, when the dying bow and the dark killer came barreling towards us. I didn't even had, didn't have enough time. My legs moved slowly too far behind my near-pandering mind. Then I felt John's body bunch up behind my right heel and felt itself falling towards through the midst. My rifle still clutched with both hands, a massive out, making its way towards us with blinding speed. When I hit the ground, I, j- my pack jumped beneath me. I saw John on his ass next to me, scrambling to get to his feet. His face was white. His lips were clenched together in a mixture of concentration and primal fear. As the elk and his deadly passionate bolted towards us, the bull took his final short step. Then two beasts came crashing down ten feet in front of that. Where I was just aiming from the side of a tree, splashing rotten, dirt black, dark bark, pebbles, and pieces of twig into my faces. The dark monster on the back of its prey shifted its position to go in for the kill, his yellow eyes darting from, from the elk. To me, and then back again, with a terrible precision, that beasty lad with a long long with a long black face and fangs white in the mist, and tore the bull's throat open despite another shriek of great elk that grinded through my brain. One of the black predators hit his hind legs, appeared out of nowhere, and kicked down, tearing upon the elk's body belly is splitting a huge mass of entrails, onto the frozen ground, I managed to stand, the cows were gone, John stood next to me and raised my, his rifle, lightly, more re- a reflected defence against the monster right in front of us. Then, by any contrast's fault, the next thing I saw, the wolf had sprung off with of the elk, and was in our faces a horrible shape of darkness, advancing to tear us to pieces. I could tell it's a wolf now—a huge, strange wolf. <coughs> strange because its face reminded me of a wolf, and its form too dark to really discern dis- its figure. I didn't, but it didn't. I, I, but it did not make much sense to me the way it moved, the way it attached it out attacked the elk the way its eyes joined from had passed side by a great flat black paw. I never he never even fired I never felt my brother let go but I felt the sudden warmth of something as at the same time as I felt the energy radiating like electricity from its thick black fur inches away from my face then a crack on my face my f- Skid split and stinging as it split open with razors. The world was inside out down. I was upside down. The trees twirled around me and my back hit the ground and back top of my pack. I heard the wolf beast snarl and lit at the deep thunderous favour of wolf's throat in my ribs and insides. In a moment that followed I could not see a thing, except I could feel John stumbling over. My sight, his breath hampering, hammering, hammering, quick grass, then feebly pulling my shoulders before giving up, running down the hill. My hand made made my way straight. My way made my way to my eyes. I wiped the blood from my mouth, from my sight enough to start, enough to swagger to my feet. I see the tall, dark form, turning its attentions back to the elk. I stank away from against a tree. As I at I almost thought I did not. I thought I did not become I swooned, and turned my back on the terrible predator and fled. The elk made no sounds behind me, but I was sure that the sounds of the wolf going to work on his prey would haunt my dreams the rest of my life. John I cried. My voice was a cloak. John I cried bit more volume. I ran until I could not hear the bees behind me. A sudden silent miss. John was nowhere to be found. I couldn't hear him running. Couldn't hear him screaming, if he was, because his own clumsy and fear step footprints drowned out the sound. Because of my own clumsy and fear step footprints drowned out the sound of anything except my heart hammering into my ears. When I stopped, wherever I, wherever I I was, I listened for John. Nothing. John! I yelled. Where the hell are you? The fog of cement absence mooted. Even the cracking of the pine trees. There was no squirrels, no birds, only the faint whistle of the late morning air sweeping down from the mountain top. Damn it! Where the hell? Take, take a by a wolf! John's gone, John. you have the has gone damn it. My head suddenly reminded me of being slammed by a huge black paw, and my brain was crushed by a spitting headache. My face was wet and half frozen. I knew I was about to be but i I knew I must be bleeding for at least a couple of glasses streaking across my face. My hands were empty. the rifle left it it left it back to the beast. I was in bad shape, I knew it, when John came. John was gone. Gone was also my way of realising, realistically getting back to camp. Evening came too soon, darkness fell upon the two mountains, world fell quick too quickly. didn't have the GPS like John did, I could, did not have a compass or a of course. There was not much I could do with it. Visibly there wasn't wasn't enough good enough for me to tell which way would take me to the mountains or which way the valley would go back to the lower areas full of the hunters. I remember that from one spot this morning far below me now, I could get back to the road by heading to the west. I remember that the mountain according to the map was the south-west west but there was no telling where a West hunting handy would take me now. Still, following my compass to the West, with the lack of my help, would be better than nothing. Unfortunately, now, at seven o'clock, I had been hiking and stumbling to the West for several hours. There was no hope of a road or any sign of humanity. The temperature was plummeting in the woods and so now dark. This was very bad, very bad. I need to get, spend the night here on the forest with no sleeping bag, no nothing, save some clothing and an emergency space blanket. John was gone, freaking gone, and a ferocious huge black wolf was, prowled. was prowling around on the mountain with a belly full of elk. Travelled in packs, John and I only ran into the one big black one, as far as I could tell, but it was more. The beast was huge. What if a pack such wolves slaughtered and consumed the entire family of elk? It yes, w- were left and wanting more. Of course, blundering through the forest, half out of my mind, my trail, would be easy one to follow for a wolf. Serious fo- trouble. I was in a bad spot, as if it as if it was even without the idea of great mantras wolves coming for me. I was already dark. I had to simulate myself some sort of shelter a fire and make sure I, could not, I did not freeze to death over the, after, over the night without much work to work with. Without much to work with I found a fallen tree I could lie beside and would have at least sheltered me from some of the wind I planned on sleeping on the side opposite the mountain at least where I came from since I couldn't see the mountain anymore dropping, on, dropping my pack against the log I stripped pine barrows from the branches I could reach with my quickly numbing hands and made a pile later to be arranged as a buffet, buffer mattress on the ground where I'd be sleeping when, when I realised I could I, I, I had been spending too long making the mattress in the dark. I cursed myself and changed the focus to making the fire and matter. Can't you see, can't can't you see, can't even see a damn thing. Pain split a crippled across my torn face. I guess it was been a few hours since I spoke a word, podding along in the vest of silent fear and foolish hope. A wolf had bashed me on the face, head. The wolf had bashed me on the in head, not my, my my backwards to my back, and sliced open my hat, face in the process. The blood had been blinded for me for a moment back there. Since then, though, ever blood washed over my face was frozen. The gashes I let to examine were sealed up. Some in the cold. Now the wounds opened again. I could feel the thickening. Trickling lines of blood run down my forehead, my nose, my cheeks of despair in my beard, into my beard. Maybe I'd just be disfigured of a movie villain's face full of long, clawed scars. i didn't even I didn't even have a minor mirror in my pack. I winced and winced again, when the pain caused a pointless expression carrying wood was easy in the light and full of moon and stars, especially when the clouds that haunted John. And I all day parted after sunset down in the steam of backless. The woods were grey and silver, glass grass seemed glowing beaming, falling logs, pale ghosts of trees that once were Irresistible pull that kept me running through the night faster, even faster. The trees flew like the shadows, caressing a throbbing subway train. Grass and scrubs were parted by my face like water. Cold wind ran through my hair that I, that I created, vaulting t- towards higher and higher speeds, slipping through cream. Grain like into smoke and lighting over rocks and dark trees like a f- air current. Firm dirt and sodden mush pounded beneath my feet, between my fingers, my toes, and my body, propelling me through the woods like a perfect machine. The shadows of the night were meaninglessness the frigid air, a gentle breath over my invincible form. I saw everything, squirrels hid inside the trees, moving like little moving little and hopping that I had not hoping I had not noticed them birds lay motionless a small nestled in branches and branches of grass on the ground, keeping warm in the darkness of the mountains night, and hoping I didn't hear their tiny fluttering hearts. At first I made sprinted across the path of man, I skidded to ch- quick stop against the muddy ground, made sure then changed course, without a moment's lapse, the the, the river of uh, warmth and odour I followed kissed my senses with the promise of blood and meat before they ever knew I was. I ripped through the nylon shell of their tent and tore the face of the dearest hunter before they ever had a chance to react. Though the man's willing scream, through the man's willing scream my hot breath filled the remains of the flimsy dwelling and my teeth grated through the t- front of the man's skull with f- skin, f- muscle, cheeks, tongue and eyes slivered down my throat the terror of the other man, half sitting in his sleeping bag, held him in awe as I sw- swept a hand down on him, bla- breaking his neck, his ribs and throwing the re- creature back to the ground it didn't take more than a few minutes to skew both of them before i was back in the blessed chill and rushed re- the woods flowing before my unstoppable path scent a bedded ilk distracted me for a spell till another unrelenting sign of man took me down into a valley propelled with the speed of the wind I overtook a single fellow walked through the glade again alone in the dark as a man turned at the sound of my frontress and glorious body clumping through the field, his eyes grew white in terror, his lungs filled in a frigid grasp before a swing of my right hand clawed into his flesh and tore his face apart. The lone hunter spun and collapsed, landing on his rifle with his left arm. I am immediately aware that another man in the tree at the edge of the field who spoke to himself some sort of cry of alarm. My ears didn't care to say for it. it tightened and ran before the second hunter was more than a few was more than a few slow human steps into the woods. I was behind him and struck him down with a mighty sweep of my claws. His chest pounded the frozen earth. He twisted on the ground to face me. That man's eyes were wide and confused his moustache wrapped around his shot and bloody mouth in a plate. Oh, Grass to scream, but nothing made but nothing made but could not but could not make a sound. A man raised his arm to ward off my attack. I lunged at the hunter with my raging fangs. I caught the arm in my mouth, my jaws like teeth, I felt his forearm crush and snap between my teeth and with a flip of my neck. I tore the arm of his socket, a man seemed to scream, but only a whine issued from his perverted face I ravaged him by tooth and claw when nothing left of his resilience. After I consumed the man entirely pulling the fleece and fabric to shreds to savour the savoury meat beneath. I turned to make my back, take my back, make my way back to my kilt in the glade. But my stomach but with my stomach full, my eyes grew heavy, my but so my my body buzzed. So I sorted back into the hill, to that fresh meat below, content to eat him in the morning. I was lucky, the dead man I thought before my naked and confused self had GPS tucked away in my small camouflage funny pack. After changing into his clothes, I summoned myself in the rising sun. I sat, I sat on a log to play with the unfamiliar device. that located his waypoints button two, and camp, pointing out me back to civilization by the way of its private hunting spots from yesterday. It was amazing that the gun got his boots felt my fit my clammy feet. even after realizing that. It, though I wanted, waited for it I wanted, wanted to try to find it in me, I didn't feel a thing of regret to, to take in the boots of a man. I found dead in the woods, a dread I expected never came, a question I never cared. How did I get here? I remember the day before, the most harrowing day in my life, the, deep, the height deep in the mountain. The elk and attacked by a dark beast that struck horror into the core of my soul. Horror that I didn't quite remember now. I remember John leaving me for dead, his fear and need for self representation far too great to risk stopping to help me for another for more than a moment. I could recall trying to get my head together and following my compass to the west in the hopes of intercepting the road. A tiny precipitated it was, and I was right, I was still hopeless. Perhaps I could have hoped for hours and still might not miss the road. As the curvy, as the unpath, Lena was going up the path. There was an issue of the shelter pine barrows under space back in a, cu- a large cabin firewood when the clouds broke and the moon related the forest around me, the steins and the moon, and my heart hurt so bad. And it that, that is that it. That was it. That is where I had to draw the line. For some reason, I felt like that crazy shit had happened. I didn't even know what was going on. Something deep inside of me told me that everything was alright. Everything would be fine, just fine. I was clothed, the pants and shirt a little too loose, but felt nothing. The belt and vest my um, up enough, couldn't solve. The boots fit just like my own. I wasn't cold anymore, but with the blue sky above me, the sun on my face, the water on the march, just around my feet. I washed my hands, and I washed my face. I scrubbed and tugged at my beard to move the nastiness stuck inside. I s- spread cold water into my smooth, cold cheeks. I passed my fingertips over my forehead, washing a line of gunk away from over my brow. I felt great. What a trip. Picking up the dead man's rifle, I started to back. To the last way, abandoned waypoint, and ultimately back to the world of man.